0: Welcome to Folklore on the Rocks.
1: (laughs) Hello there, everybody. I'm Logan. I'm Lindsay. And welcome to Folklore on the Rocks.
0: Hi, guys.
1: Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, We are finally getting into some springtime a little bit. We
0: are. Isn't it so exciting? Oh, it's so refreshing and lovely. There's sunshine and spring breeze. And <laughs> so we decided since our winter folktales were such a hit, we're going to do a couple of episodes of spring folktales to kind of just bask in this glorious change of weather a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know our our show kind of covers a lot of ground, especially as as we, you know, recently tried to feature some conspiracies and modern uh, kind of fairy tales that go with them. We, we do try to cover as much of the map as we can, but my mom was talking to me the other day and she just said, you know, I really love your show, but my favorite episodes are the ones where you just tell me a story. So, you know, this one kind of goes out to my mom a little bit, but it also kind of goes out to anybody who's feeling good about springtime. Uh, It's a time for something fresh and something new. If anyone's taking on something new, maybe a new hobby or project, tell us about it. Uh, Linz, do you have anything exciting new that you're starting for springtime?
0: Um, For me, uh, not really. I mean, the newest thing in my life is probably our D&D campaign.
1: Oh, that is so cool. (laughs)
0: But other than that, I'm I'm kind of trying to get back into some of the crafting stuff that I do. I, I usually only craft around Christmas time, mm-hmm. mostly because I typically give them for gifts. But I'm trying to maybe do that a little bit more, maybe st- uh, create some stock for maybe selling some things. So cool. uh, I just need to kind of get the motivation up for that. I've been kind of, I don't know down i guess the last few weeks it's Just it's hard to
1: kind of find that that thunder and fury to really yeah. light a f- fire under your own ass to go get do something motivation. I, I get that yeah but, but yeah, hey i'm glad you're finding it and uh, you're moving forward too. Yeah, i'm both. glad you're still excited about the D campaign i am so pumped up we we were supposed to play the other night and at the last minute it was kind of moved to uh you know the near Next future week. yeah and it's like oh okay there's so many more things i could get ready for that so it's <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be really fun. It's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you say we have a drink, Lens?
0: I think that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our cocktail for tonight is called Blossom. And it is called that because it's very, very pastel pink. It's very delicate and refreshing. It's not overly sweet. And the ingredients in that are an ounce of orange liqueur. So, you can use triple sec. You can use... Whatever else is an orange liqueur that you'd like. Two teaspoons of raspberry juice. So for this, the easiest way to do that is just to squish some raspberries and use the liquid from them. Then you can put some lime juice in and that's just to taste and some soda water to taste. So you can kind of figure out the balance you want with that. Do you want it a little more limey? Do you want it a little bit more watered down, I guess? And then yeah. if you want, there's an option of adding in a teaspoon of rose water, which kind of just gives it a floral vibe. Um,
1: oh, yeah. Now, so, that would be a fun, a fun addition. So, we don't, we don't have any rose water tonight, and th- I think that might might be kind of a nice twist yeah, a on there, additive. especially with the lime.
0: If you have some, you know. <laughs> yeah. But basically, you just, you just fill a glass with ice, add the orange liqueur, raspberry juice, lime juice, and rose water if you want that. Stir it and then just top it off with soda water. Um, like I said, it should be really, really, really pastel pink. Uh, it looks gorgeous in glasses, uh, really, really nice on the table. If you're doing, it would be perfect for like a brunch or something or like a yeah. tea time outside and springtime with flowers. And it's perfect for that kind of thing. Yeah. Very brunch on the patio, nice.
1: mimosas. Yeah. Exactly. We're, yeah. So somewhere on the menu, if you're not quite feeling a Bloody Mary or a mimosa, you could have one of these.
0: <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So that is our cocktail for tonight. If you want to go ahead and make one, you're welcome to pause and go stir one up. Yeah. We'll be here when you get back. (laughs) (laughs) But for those who are just trucking on through, let's get started with our first story called The Snowdrop. And it's by Hans Christian Andersen, who we all know pretty well. Hans Christian Andersen. Here we go.
1: The Snowdrop. It was winter time. The air was cold, the wind sharp, but indoors all was snug and well. Indoors lay the flower. It lay in its bulb under the earth and snow. One day the rain fell. The drops trickled down through the snow blanket down to the earth and stirred against the bulb, telling it of the world of light up above. Soon a sunbeam, so slender and penetrating, bored through the snow, down to the bulb, and tapped on it. "'Come in,' said the flower. "'That I can't do,' said the sunbeam. "'I'm not strong enough to open you up. "'I shall be very strong by summer.' "'When will it be summer?' asked the flower, and repeated this every time a new sunbeam came down to it. But summer was far off. Snow remained on the earth, and ice formed on the water in the streams every blessed night. How long this lasts, how long this lasts, said the flower. I feel a tingling and tickling. I I must stretch myself, I must extend myself, I must open up, I must come out and wave good morning to the summer. That will be a wonderful time. And the flower stretched itself and extended itself against the thin shell that had been softened by the rain water, warmed by the blanket of earth and snow, and tapped upon by the sunbeam. It burst forth beneath the snow, with a white and green bud on its green stalk. With narrow, thick leaves curled around it, as if for protection, the snow was cold. But light radiated down into it, making it quite easy to break through. And here now the sunbeam streamed down with greater strength than ever before. Welcome! Welcome! Sang and rang out every sunbeam as the flower rose above the snow, out into the world of light. The sunbeams caressed and kissed it, so that it opened itself fully, white as snow and adorned with green stripes. It bowed its head in happiness and humility. "'Beautiful flower,' sang the sunbeams. "'How fresh and pure you are! You are the first. You are the only one. You are our love. You ring out the call of summer, lovely summer, over town and country. All the snow shall melt.' The cold winds be driven away. We shall rain. Everything shall grow green. Then you shall have company. The lilacs and laburniums and finally the roses. But you are the first. So tender and pure. This was a great delight to the flower. It was as if the air itself were ringing and singing. As if the sunbeams were all penetrating the leaves and the stem of the flower. There it stood so fine and fragile, and yet so strong, in all its youthful beauty, in its white kirtle with the green bands praising the summer. But summertime was far off. Clouds shrouded the sun. Sharp winds blew on the flower. "'You have come too early,' said Wind and Weather. "'We still have power.'" "'and this you shall feel and have to comply with. "'You should have remained indoors "'instead of rushing out here to display your finery. "'It is not time for that yet.' "'It was bitingly cold, "'and the days that followed didn't bring a sunbeam. "'It was weather to freeze such a delicate little flower to bits. "'But there was more strength in it than even it realized.' that strength was in its happy faith that summer must come and this had been imparted by its own deep desire and confirmed by the warm sunlight and so with the patient hope it stood there in its white dress in the white snow bowing its head when the snowflakes fell thick and heavy or while the icy winds swept over it you'll break they said wither freeze What did you want out here? Why did you let yourself be enticed? The sunbeam has hoaxed you. Now make the best of it, you snowdrop, summer fool. Snowdrop, summer fool, repeated the flower there in the cold morning. Snowdrop, rejoiced some children who came into the garden. There stands one, so sweet, so beautiful, the first, the only one. And these words made the flower feel so well. They were like the warm sunbeams. In its gladness it never noticed that it was being plucked. Then it lay in the child's hand, was kissed by a child's lips, brought into a warm room, gazed upon by kindly eyes, and set in water so strengthening, so exhilarating, the flower thought it had all of a sudden come into midsummer. The daughter of the house was a lovely little girl who had just been confirmed, and she had a dear boyfriend he had also been confirmed and was studying to equip himself for earning a living he shall be my snowdrop she told herself then she took the lovely flower and laid it on a scented piece of paper that had a verse written upon it a verse about the flower beginning with snowdrop and ending with snowdrop little sweetheart be my snowdrop my winter fool thus she had playfully mocked him in the summer yes that was written in the verses and it was then folded up like a letter with the flower placed inside. It was dark in there where it lay, as dark as when it had been in the bulb. The flower was sent on a journey. It lay in a mail sack, was pressed and squeezed, and that was not at all pleasant. But finally, this came to an end. When the journey was over, the letter was opened and read by her dear friend. He was so delighted that he kissed the flower. And then it was locked up, with the poem around it in a drawer, where there lay so many charming letters, though none had a flower in it. Here, too it was the first, the only one, as the sunbeams had called it, and that was pleasant to think about. It had a long period of leisure in which to think about it. It thought while the summer passed, while the long winter passed, and then, when it was summer again, it was brought forth from the drawer. But this time the young man was not at all happy. He seized up the letters very harshly and flung away the poem, so that the flower fell onto the floor. It had become flattened and withered, but that was no reason to throw it onto the floor. But it was better off laying there than in the fire, where the poems and letters were blazing. What had happened? Well, what so often happens? The flower had mocked him, and that was a joke. The girl had mocked him, but that was no joke. She had chosen another boyfriend this midsummer. In the morning, the sun shone in on the little flattened snowdrop which looked as if it were painted on the floor. The maid who swept the room picked it up and placed it in one of the books on the table, for she thought it had fallen out when she was cleaning up and putting things in order. And so once again the flower lay between verses, printed verses this time, which are grander than the written ones, at least they cost more. Years passed, throughout which the book stood on its shelf, but now at last it was taken down, opened, and read. It was a good book, the songs and poems of the Danish poet Ambrosius Stubb, who is well worth your knowing. The man who was reading the book turned a page. Ah, here is a flower, he said. A snowdrop. It is with significance indeed that it lies here. Poor Ambrosius Stubb. He was a snowdrop too. A poet snowdrop. He was before his time, and therefore he had to face sharp winds and sleet as he passed among the gentlemen of Funen. He was like a flower in a water glass, a flower in a valentine. A summer fool, winter fool, full of fun and drollery. Yet he was the first, the only youthfully fresh Danish poet. Yes, lie there as a marker in this book, little snowdrop. You are laid there with meaning. And then the snowdrop again was placed in the book. And it felt both honored and delighted to know that it was a marker in the beautiful book of poetry, and that he who had first written and sung about the flower had also been a snowdrop and had been mocked in the winter. Now the flower understood this in its own way, just as we are understanding things in our way. That is the fairy story of the snowdrop.
0: All right. What did you think about that, Logan? Oh, that was a fun one. That one
1: kind of reminded me a little bit of, of the springtime that we're having here. Our, our springtimes here in Utah are always kind of winter for a little bit and then springtimey, then back to winter again and and we're finally setting it settling into the really true springtimey days. But for a while, uh you you can't plant anything. You're not sure what you clothes never you should know wear. What's going on. Yeah. You can you can <laughs> even look at the morning literally, getting literally ready for work. This week is yeah. exactly that. We yeah, had think,
0: snow yesterday and it's beautiful and sunny today. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah so weird in Utah. I'm sure it is a lot of other places too, but I'm um, just that not knowing.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of what this story kind of reminded me of, just the, you know, it's not safe to go out. You shouldn't be out, you know, showing off. It's still too early in the season for that.
0: Well, and that that impatience and that wanting the summer and the and sunshine all throughout a very, very long winter is very relatable. Yeah, for that's us been
1: here. that's been me on my bike. It's finally the time of year when I can ride it at, you know, when normal people are riding their bikes. <laughs> Bike riding. And that's been tip. really a fun adventure.
0: <laughs> I believe it. The roads probably are a little bit more full of other
1: Yeah, uh, other cyclists. people. <laughs> but I, I try to be as friendly as I can.
0: I <laughs> I'm sure you of, excel at that. <laughs> a lot of
1: smiling and waving.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I did think that this was a really interesting tale. I, I thought that the imagery was beautiful in this story. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know that it was translated from from I think Danish by someone. So whoever did that translation, it'll I'm be I'm say am- a Ambrosia Stubb
1: did the translation. <laughs> the, um, the notable poet not. and storyteller mentioned it.
0: <laughs> I don't think it was, but hey, maybe <laughs> sticking their name in just randomly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they translated it exceptionally well. Like it read beautifully. You know the prose flowed very nicely.
1: Yeah,
0: I really loved that that the flower and the sunbeams and everything else they were all personified. So it wasn't a story of like this person did this thing. It's like this little snowdrop and yeah, these the little, little things that we beams. never
1: consider having a personality. Uh, to mm-hmm. look at them really closely and find the stories they tell that's a fun way to do it.
0: Yeah, a story kind of more on a. Microscopic level, I guess, not really yeah. microscopic, but like looking at something that's you don't really think about very often or it seems mundane or small or that you don't really take notice of and then really thinking about, you know, what it takes to make this thing happen. I think that the kind of the moral of this story, I guess, was finding internal strength kind of in the face of adversity
1: yeah, yeah,
0: sort of because then it turned kind of dark and weird <laughs> for bit. a little bit. Um, kind of with the, with the section of it being plucked and then given in a letter and loved and thrown away and found again. It felt yeah. kind of felt like two or three. Somebody else tales. slid into
1: that girl, that girl's DMs and wow. I know. Yeah, sniped her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but mostly, I mean, it was it was a lovely story of yeah. thriving despite the odds, kind of pioneering things and being before your time which is a whole other aspect i think to it and also just i guess bringing joy into other people's lives because that's mm-hmm. th- what this flower continuously did right so uh, yeah i think that it was a really interesting tale i i know i found myself actually thinking about it the other day i i've been trying to go outside for what oh, outside I'm, i know <laughs> i work from home so like it's really easy for me to not even go outside all day long. In a I understand, day. and I hate that. Like I, but, I love but, outside.
1: Yeah, our our outside here in Utah is exceptional. outside.
0: Amazing. So yeah. I'm forcing myself. Like if I t- when I whenever I take a break, I'm having myself go up and outside and like sit outside because I can now because the weather is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing that, and I I found myself thinking about this chill the other day when. You know it's it's a little chilly but you have these beautiful it's cold but there's this sunshine you know and just kind of that vibe you get with spring sun spring sunshine you know where it's got all of this promise and new things are growing and little tiny bits of green and um i I just found myself thinking about this tale the other day and it made me appreciate and enjoy it a little bit more i think any last thoughts about that story uh, not really. I think you
1: covered it pretty well. It does leave me feeling pretty good, uh, and that's a nice theme for springtime, really.
0: A little bad uh, for that for that guy, but you know, yeah, like the
1: guy and the flower. Just you know, kind of a little. It does have bittersweet note to it, but it does. Uh, that flower has, went on a
0: journey. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like any good story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> What what have we got next we have our promo next um our promo this week is for a show called elementary my dear the hex files and it is a comedy podcast where a couple of friends they talk about the creepy and the unknown so you know all the good stuff um so here's the promo Hello, my dears, my name's Mariah. And I'm Sarah. And we host the Elementary, my dear, The Hex Files podcast. Yeah. We talk about anything hellish, ethereal, or unknown. Ooh, Ooh. as in Chemical X oh, from God. the Powerpuff Girls. Dear God. good. Okay. We are a comedy and paranormal podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Ha <laughs> ha, I'm dying. Okay. You can find us on Facebook as well as anywhere you find your podcast. Ciao. Alright, I hope you guys give them a listen if you're interested. So let's just hop right into our next story. This one is called The Spring Lover and The Autumn Lover. And it's from the book Japanese Fairy Tales by Grace James.
1: Yeah, let's give it a listen. THE SPRING LOVER AND THE AUTUMN LOVER This is a story of the youth of Yamato, when the gods still walked upon the land of the reed plains and took pleasure in the fresh and waving rice-ears of the countryside. There was a lady having in her something of earth and something of heaven. She was a king's daughter. She was augustly radiant and renowned. She was called the dear delight of the world, the greatly desired, the fairest of the fair, She was slender and strong, at once mysterious and gay, fickle yet faithful, gentle yet hard to please. The gods loved her, but men worshipped her. Prince Amaboko had a red jewel of one of his enemies. The jewel was a peace offering. Prince Amaboko set it in a casket upon a stand. He said, This is the jewel of price. Then the jewel was transformed into an exceeding fair lady. Her name was the Lady of the Red Jewel, and Prince Amaboko took her to wife. There were born to them only one daughter, who was the greatly desired, the fairest of the fair. It is true that eighty men of name came to seek her hand. Princes they were, and warriors, and deities. They came from near, and they came from far. Across the sea-path they came in great ships, white sails or creaking oars, with brave and lusty sailors. Through the forests, dark and dangerous, they made their way to the princess, the greatly desired. Or lightly, lightly, they descended by way of the floating bridge, in garments of glamour and silver shod. They brought their gifts with them. Gold, fair jewels upon a string, light garments of feathers, singing birds, sweet things to eat, silk cocoons, oranges in a basket. They brought minstrels and singers and dancers and tellers of tales to entertain the princess, the greatly desired. As for the princess, she sat in her white bower with her maidens all about her. Passing rich was her robe, and ever and anon her maidens spread it afresh over the mats, and set out her deep sleeves, and combed her long hair with a golden comb. Round about the bower was a gallery of white wood, and here the suitors came and knelt in the presence of their liege lady. Many and many a time the carp leapt in the garden fish-pond. Many and many a time a scarlet pomegranate flower fluttered and dropped from a tree. Many and many a time the lady shook her head, and a lover went his way, sad and sorry. Now it happened that the god of autumn went to try his fortune with the princess. He was a brave young man indeed. Ardent were his eyes, the color flamed in his dark cheek. He was girded with a sword that ten men could not lift. The chrysanthemums of autumn burned upon his coat in cunning broidery. He came and bent his proud head to the very ground before the princess, then raised it and looked her full in the eyes. She opened her sweet red lips, waited, and said nothing, but shook her head. So the god of autumn went forth from her presence, blinded with his bitter tears. He found his younger brother, the god of spring. "'How fares it with you, my brother?' said the god of spring ill ill indeed for she will not have me she is the proud lady and mine is the broken heart ah my brother said the god of spring you'd best come home with me for all is over with us said the god of autumn but the god of spring said i stay here what cried his brother It is likely, then, that she will take you if she'll have none of me. (sighs) Will she love the smooth cheeks of a child and flout the full-grown man? Will you go to her brother? She'll laugh at you for your pains." "'Still, I will go,' said the God of Spring. "'A wager, a wager!' the God of Autumn cried. I'll give you a cask of sake if you win her, sake for the merry feast of your wedding. If you lose her, the sake will be for me. I'll drown my grief in it." "'Well, brother,' said the god of spring, I'll take the wager. You'll have your sake like enough indeed." "'And so I think,' said the god of autumn, and went his ways. Then the young god of spring went to his mother, who loved him. "'Do you love me, my mother?' he said. She answered, More than a hundred existences. Mother, he said, Get me for my wife the princess, The fairest of the fair. She is called the greatly desired, Greatly, oh, greatly do I desire her. You love her, my son, said his mother. More than a hundred existences, he said. Then lie down, my son, my best beloved. Lie down and sleep, and I will work for you. So she spread a couch for him, and when he was asleep, she looked on him. "'Your face,' she said, "'is the sweetest thing in the world.' There was no sleep for her the live-long night, but she went swiftly to a place she knew of, where the wisteria drooped over a still pool. She plucked her sprays and tendrils, and brought home as much as she could carry. The wisteria was white and purple, and you must know it was not yet in flower, but hidden in the unopened bud. From it, she wove magically a robe. She fashioned sandals also, and a bow and arrows. In the morning, she waked the god of spring. Come, my son, she said. Let me put this robe on you. The god of spring rubbed his eyes. A sober suit for courting, he said. But he did as his mother bade him, and he bound the sandals on his feet and slung the bow and arrows in their quiver on his back. We'll all be well, my mother, he said, "'All will be well, beloved,' she answered him. "'So the god of spring came before the fairest of the fair, "'and one of the maidens laughed and said, "'See, mistress, there comes to woo you today "'only a little plain boy, all in sober gray.' "'But the fairest of the fair lifted up her eyes "'and looked upon the god of spring, "'and in the same moment the wisteria from which he was clothed "'burst into flower.' He was sweet-scented, white and purple from head to heel. The princess rose from the white mats. Lord, she said, I am yours if you will have me. Hand in hand they went to the mother of the god of spring. Ah, my mother, he said. "'What shall I do now? "'My brother, the god of autumn, is angry with me. "'He will not give me the sake I have won from him in a wager. "'Great is his rage. "'He will seek to take our lives.' "'Be still, beloved,' said his mother, "'and fear not.' "'She took a cane of hollow bamboo, "'and in the hollow she put salt and stones, "'and when she wrapped the cane round with leaves, "'she hung it in the smoke of the fire. "'She said, "'The green leaves fade and die.' So you must do my eldest born, the god of autumn. The stone sinks into the sea. So must you sink. You must sink. You must fail. Like the ebb tide. Now the tale is told and all the world knows why spring is fresh and merry and young and autumn the saddest thing that is. All right. Oh, I could go for some sake after that story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't we all? (laughs) Oh, man. Kind of... A difficult story to understand at least in the beginning like yeah. the archaic language kind of mm-hmm. hard to understand what was going on but it was also really evocative i mean i could really mentally see what was being described i really love that the mother which was clearly mother earth right was mm-hmm. yeah. all over the problem kind of interesting that they were brothers and the mom was like helping one son over the other but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> one was
1: clearly more sensitive and yeah. needed that extra bit of love.
0: <laughs> I, think it, I think it could have been that because, like, Spring actually asked and Autumn just kind of assumed he would win, you know? Yeah, I can or see that. Or maybe she loved one more than the other. <laughs> as much as parents say that that's not the case, we all know that it's a little bit true, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> got a favorite.
0: Yeah. Even if it, you say you don't. Not even meaning to. Like, it's just <laughs> how it works. You're kind of kidding yourself if if that's not the case. You love them all, but you don't necessarily love them all equally. I'm just saying. Mm. I do think it was interesting, like, the whole thing with the wisteria branches. That was really mm-hmm. cool. Like, great blossoming. Um, yeah. Just thanks to the gaze of the fairest of the fair, who I, I think was like sunshine or summer or something. Who was rejecting I, autumn and kind of embracing spring.
1: Yeah, I also kinda saw that, yeah. that same thing happening. Just it it seemed to be favoring the springtime in the storytelling a
0: little bit more. So mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I am a little bit sad that autumn was kinda a dick. <laughs> like autumn is my favorite season. So
1: Yeah, yeah. This is this is not the autumn that I've grown up loving. Uh I don't know, for growing up in utah again uh, our our autumns are really nice here
0: (laughs) as short as they are they are wonderful
1: yeah right after right after august when it right after it stops being too hot yes it becomes (laughs) bearably hot and you get a good couple of weeks of that before we get snow again
0: the second you can smell that or when you can feel that crispness to the air and like smell when fall starts coming you know oh it's my favorite I like spring, but spring is like a secondary thing for me. Fall is where it's at.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Halloween time, you know. Halloween
1: and just, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, I personally feel I look heat. better in jackets than not in jackets. We all so. do. Let's be real. Yeah. We all do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a very different vibe than what you typically get with stories in autumn, which autumn's really a time of harvest and... Plenty, but maybe that's kind of already there due to like his rich attire, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah This is this so. is clearly a character that's already got enough. Yeah, yeah. But a cool story nonetheless. I did like I, it.
0: Yeah, it was interesting.
1: I love the the way that Japanese stories kind of end somewhat abruptly.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> and this this is not just this story. This is a lot of Japanese stories that I've read, often because they're part of a larger collection of stories. Which but this is really yeah, yeah, that's a big part of it. Uh, it's not meant to be a full epilogue of what happened with all of these stories and all these characters until they died. It's the chunk of the story you need to know. You
0: don't need the happily ever after part.
1: <laughs> yeah, in many yeah. ways, it's very similar to reading a haiku. The brevity and focus is part of the art form
0: for sure, for sure. yeah. so yeah, I, I liked the story quite a bit, actually. So let's move on to our third tale for this evening. And it is called The Enchanted Castle. And it's from Altimus's fairy tale series. And it's edited by Hartwell James. Um, and I believe this story is German. So, German?
1: Sounds yeah. about right.
0: Yep. So Logan's going to go ahead and narrate that for us. <laughs> now. Let's
1: roll. One day, a little German girl was gathering flowers in the meadows when she was met by a wonderful maiden. Wondrous fair was the maiden to look upon. Her dress was of pale green velvet with streaks of bright crimson. In her hand, she carried a basket of spring flowers. On her head, she wore a wreath of pale yellow blossoms. Her voice was like the sound of silver bells. "Lisbeth, you are a good child,' she said. "'You have done your best to help your sick mother. Now tell me, what are you going to do with the flowers you are gathering?' And the little girl replied, I am gathering them for my mother. She loves spring flowers, but she is too ill to gather them for herself, and she cannot afford to buy them." "'I know you are telling the truth,' said the fairy. Your mother is sick and poor, and you want to help her. Now look at this, Lisbeth,' she continued, giving the child a blossom from her basket like those upon her head. "'This is a primrose.' Take it, and as you walk along, follow the primrose blossoms until you come to the walls of an old castle. In the wall, you will find a great doorway covered all over with flowers. Touch the lock gently with your key flower, pointing at the primrose she had given her, and the door will open so that you may enter the enchanted castle. I will meet you there again. Then the fairy vanished as suddenly as she had appeared, and the astonished Lisbeth did as she had been told she followed the primroses on the banks until she reached the castle walls she soon found the door covered with flowers and moving aside some of the beautiful blossoms she placed her key flower upon the lock slowly the great door opened but Lisbeth was so surprised at what she saw within that she was afraid to enter and she could only stand and look great baskets hung from the roof of the house full of the pale yellow blossoms banks of them were heaped around the walls while upon the floor and table stood vases of all shapes and sizes containing nothing but primroses. But in a few minutes, she heard a sweet voice calling her, and on entering she saw once more her fairy friend. Lisbeth, the fairy said, "'come in and take what you like. Under those sweet blossoms are chests containing gold, silver, and jewels. You may remove the flowers and open which you please. Take as much as you can carry, and come again as often as you like.' "'the key flower will always admit you. "'But there is one thing you must remember. "'You must not take away a single blossom, "'but every flower must be replaced where you find it. "'So long as you observe this rule, "'you will always find an entrance "'to this home of wealth and treasure. "'But if you disobey, punishment will quickly follow.' "'As she spoke these words, the fairy again vanished, "'and Lisbeth, seeking among the flowers, "'found the treasure of which she had been told.' Filling her apron with gold and silver, she replaced the blossoms she had removed and hastened home to her mother. And great was the delight of the poor sick woman, for now she and her little daughter need no longer be poor. Many and many a time they visited the enchanted castle, and ever since Elizabeth told the story to her friends, the boys and girls of Germany have called the primrose the key flower. They believe that as long as they are good and obedient, it will unlock for them the door of the enchanted castle, where the treasures of wealth and happiness are to be found."
0: Okey-dokey.
1: Gotta love those primroses. <laughs> yes,
0: many, many primroses. <laughs> so many. <laughs> so it it had a very a fairy tale vibe to it.
1: Oh, it absolutely did. It it felt like again, it's a story that you'd tell you know somebody younger, like a a childlike person. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Child or childlike, yes. <laughs> but I I do like that that the fairy lady she she looked like you would expect spring personified to actually look you know she had Mm -hmm. that pale green velvet dress and streaks of bright crimson a wreath of yellow flowers in her hair you know and you see this maiden appear and like it makes perfect sense that she's spring you know Mm -hmm. um i i do really love the whole secret castle thing you know and that it's just kids that know about it really um, yeah, I think that's a yeah, fun like, element to it.
1: That's you very know? you know, Bridge to Terabithia or yeah, uh, you know, Narnia, mm-hmm. the, the secret worlds that are only viewable by children. Only
0: only um, kids are privy. Yeah, yeah. The
1: Upside Down. <laughs> Take your pick.
0: Yeah, only or only yeah, only the kids have the imagination or openness, I guess, to be able mm-hmm. to see those things. And and I think that really ties into the fact that. The story, it seems to really be about the innocence of hope. Like kids are far more likely to believe that things are going to be okay than adults are just by mm-hmm. nature of realism. You know, yeah. we, we've seen enough and experienced it enough to get down on stuff sometimes and and not believe that the best is what's going to happen. And it's a lot easier I, for kids to believe that.
1: Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like you you touched on it a little bit right back there. Just the concept of knowing that you've got your whole life ahead of you and uh there's things will only get easier and you you you're going to keep learning and growing that's (laughs) that makes it really easy to stay positive you know (laughs) but as you know as an adult it does kind of sink in a little bit of well okay yeah Uh, it's it maybe some of it's Still ahead of you. Maybe some of it's behind you, you know, figuring it out as you go.
0: Well, you think about, like, when you were, say, like, early teens, right? And you're like, when I'm 25, life is going to be awesome. I'm going to have all of this. This is going to be my super cool career. I'm going to be famous or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have a house and kids and all the things that you're expected to have and expected to want. And, And you do because that's... But well, you're raised to want or, or whatever, or maybe you have different dreams, but like you are for sure like confident that in 10 years, your life is going to be that, you know, and yeah, then it's you kind figure of... out that adulting is the worst and <laughs> the
1: very worst.
0: <laughs> and none of us, like we're all just trying to make it through each and every single day. Well, and, and things
1: change so much. The definition of what is, a good version of what mm-hmm. you're, whatever yeah. you're trying to be, changes yeah, every day. You,
0: well, you find yourself more, and you figure out, okay, I really do yeah. want this other thing, or I want this other thing, and our goals shift significantly all the time. Mind you, at least. I mean, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So. Oh yeah, exactly. There's there was that. Buster wasn't really a paying <laughs> job, so. Well, I mean, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> And if were anyone to do it, I could definitely see that happening for you.
1: I, I feel like <laughs> I, I got a certain skill set that would be all right. Sam Ackroyd uh, lives in
0: your heart. We know it.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> with this jail, I kind of expected it to kind of take a cautionary turn. Like the girl ends up taking the flowers with her mm-hmm. and it didn't. So it was kind of nice to have a story where she just obeys and then benefits from it. That was a nice
1: little touch to add in there. Um, sometimes good things happen to good people, uh,
0: and then they just stay good, and nothing goes horribly wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but the I world mean, needs those
1: kinds of stories sometimes. Yeah, it's
0: not all Brothers Grimm stuff, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of love that the castle that she was led to was just kind of some kind of like fantasy that would just solve all of her problems, and it would stay that way if she was obedient and good, and she was. Mm-hmm. You know, I did want to talk about primrose for a second. Um, It's, it's meaningful. It starts flowering just as other plants are coming out of dormancy. So it's like one of the first flowers of spring and they come in many, many colors, not just that pale yellow from the story, but it was an interesting indication of, you know, little tendrils of hope springing up in her life. Which yeah, was it, her mother getting better and having money and that kind of thing.
1: Good things tend to start small mm-hmm. and require, you know, a, a little bit of nurturing. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a nice little parallel.
0: I liked it. I thought it was a good story. Mm-hmm.
1: I I do have to raise the the standard, uh, you know, pagan flag complaint of teaching children to externalize blame and exp- an expectation of reward, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay
1: It's nevertheless, has been <laughs> yes it, it has been raised other than that it's a fine story <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so that uh, that's all we have for stories for you guys tonight or yeah. today or, or whenever, whenever you listen listening. to this
1: <laughs> it's evening here but anytime it's out there yes. we're glad it's story time
0: <laughs> five o'clock somewhere
1: right
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as always you guys can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Folklore on the Rocks You can find us at Twitter at
1: At Folklore
0: Rocks. (laughs) Um, We've got pictures, notes, and sources on our website at FolkloreOnTheRocks.com. For these stories, you'll get links to the actual stories, so you can go read them. Um, You can read them while you're listening if you want, but you're hearing this at the end of the episode, so I don't know how that's going to work. Unless anyway, you listen in
1: reverse, like some kind of backwards really listening weirdo. Weird. <laughs> By the way, backwards listening weirdos, totally welcome in our audience. We 100%. are a weird podcast. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but the some of the books have really, really cool pictures. Uh, some of the stories we have for you next week will have some really cool pictures. So I definitely recommend checking out the show notes for that because um, they're just super cool. Just as a reminder, we have a Patreon if you'd like to contribute. Uh, There are some tiers on there. You can get some stickers and some decals and all sorts of fun things. And if you don't want to do Patreon, but you do want to still donate and help us cover some of the costs of the show, um, we do have a PayPal button on our website that you can just use to donate. We are still doing free stickers if you write a review and send in a screenshot you can just mail that to admin at folkloreontherocks dot com, and even if you don't want to do that, we still ask to go ahead and rate us and leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook or Stitcher or wherever. Um, once we do get that one hundred reviews, we're going to be doing a bonus episode with a listener-selected creature. So that might be one of your only chances to get us to do something we would not normally do.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you've got something that is just like your favorite creature, and you're mm-hmm. thinking, oh man, no one's ever going to do this creature. Guess what? This is exactly the show to feature your favorite creature.
0: Yeah, or if you want so. us to do Chupacabra. And we're not going to do that normally unless you guys decide that you want it, you know? So that's that's a reward to work toward. I guess. (laughs) Tell your friends, spread the word. Hopefully you like us and you want us, other people to like us too and have someone to talk to about whatever creature we talk about. So go ahead and do that, you know? Yeah. And we just want to say thank you for listening.
1: Thank you so much. And yeah, please join us again.
0: Yeah, tune in next Sunday.
1: All right. Thanks, everybody.
0: Bye.